This is Hemant. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support what you're listening to. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm doing excellent. It's almost the end of February. It is. We made it through Woo-hoo. another Chicago winter. It's going to be like yes. 50 this weekend. I heard. I'm very excited. Um, so before we kick off, we just have a couple fun announcements to make. Um, first of all, I want to thank Kathy, who um, really generously offered to uh, do our transcriptions for us. I had said a couple weeks ago that, you know, we do a kind of a rough trans, uh, transcription through a program. Um, and then if I had time, I would try to go and clean it up. And Kathy said, you know what? I have time at my desk. I would love to help you guys. And so she's doing that for us. So, Many thanks, Kathy. Yeah, we, we really appreciate that. So um, if you go to the podcast website, I think the latest one is from like a week or so ago mm-hmm. um, that we made a transcript for. Kathy fixed it up. Yeah. That one's available now for anyone who prefers reading our words instead of listening to yeah, us. Yeah, or, you know, it's good for sh- sharing if you hear right. anything you like. Um, so we really appreciate that. So I would say give us about a week to get the transcripts up once the episode mm-hmm. drops. Um, next, uh, if you are a Patreon subscriber, um, there's an interview that I uh, did with Parvesh China, who's an actor and comedian and um, a, a junior high friend of my husband's. Um, he's great. We talk a lot about kind of... Um, being Indian American actor and being, you know, gay in Hollywood and all that fun stuff. He was a delight. Um, And finally, we are, him and I are kind of working behind the scenes to create a few more incentives for our Patreon and for iTunes reviews. So those Patreon things, um, we're working on them and I will announce them probably next week. It's going to be a change to, um, or some additions to our goals, to what members get on various levels. um, And I hope you guys will like them. Um, Right now, we have eliminated the $1 donation option. Um, so if you are donating $1 right now, that stays, you're grandfathered in. Um, but if you are a new donor, the, the smallest amount you can donate per month is $3. If you'd like to do that, we'd really appreciate that. And at that level, you get um, early access to our shows and access to um, the bonus feed. So that will have early interviews that I do, plus I probably have a half a dozen, and that number is growing. Um uh, fables episodes that I do with my friends and they're really fun and, um, enjoyable. Also, finally, before we get to the show, um, we are starting a new kind of incentive program about iTunes reviews. So, you know, we ask you to rate, review, subscribe, um, and we really appreciate that. So we decided to sort of incentivize that. So right now, um, as of recording, we have, uh, 679 reviews on iTunes, um, so once we get up to 750, we're going to re- review one new five-star review each week. That's from one of you guys. Um, we'll just kind of pick it at random. And then when we hit a thousand, um, we'll watch the movie, we believe in dinosaurs that we brought up last week and we'll record a bonus episode for that. And at 1500, we, um, I am going to create and moderate a podcast specific Facebook discussion group. So it'd be separate from like kind of the friendly atheist, Facebook group, it would be more a place that people can kind of discuss the things they heard, interact with each other, um, share stories that they think are interesting. Um, so yeah, that is what's happening. And I hope you all support, um, what we're doing. So the reviews thing, just go on iTunes, hit five stars, type some nice things or fewer stars. If you 
are one of those people, and I'll probably re- I'll retweet the ones that are one, one star. And one yell. of those people who's a one star reviewer who still somehow listens to the show every week for oh some reason. Oh my god, it's such a tragedy for them. <laughs> They're so put upon each week. But yeah, just going to iTunes. I'm not sure what the Android option looks like. Unclear. Maybe we'll do something with that later. But uh, but yeah, so that's what's going on. So, you know, costs you nothing, takes 30 seconds of your time, and uh, it really, really helps us find new listeners. So, all that being said, do you want to talk about some things that we talk about on our podcast? Yes, let's talk about how we're all going to die. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. So, Mike Pence is now in charge of the coronavirus. Oh, buddy. Oh, Handling of buddy. the coronavirus. So Trump said, yep, I'm putting Mike Pence in charge of it for, for a couple reasons. One is he doesn't have anything else to do. That too. Which is incredible. To, yeah. It's an incredible thing what to say about... What else does Mike Pence do every day? A vice president of the United States. I watch Veep. They're busy. Is he, though? I mean... I it, believe he's at a fundraiser tonight, you know, handling the coronavirus. Well, I mean, it takes up a, a lot of his effort to, like, just sit and hate gay people. Like, yeah. oh, I hate them so much. And I also think that Trump probably has an inkling that, oh, this is going to be bad, this virus. I'm going to let them blame Pence for it. Yeah, do you think... I've heard that he wants to secretly oust him. Mm. I, don't, I don't think he does, because, again, he needs to keep evangelicals to mm. by his side. Uh, Pence allows them to pretend to like this administration and getting but everything. But don't you think we're want. kind of past that? I feel like we no longer are seeing evangelicals being like, "Well, Pence is with him, so he's a good guy." People are like, "Oh, Trump no, is the second coming of Jesus yeah. Christ. We did it." Yeah, I mean, listen, they Republicans had the chance to vote to just get Trump out of office. And Pence would have taken his spot. Mm-hmm. It would have fixed like so many of their problems. Yep. And they didn't go with it. So they like Trump, too. Um, but anyway, uh, Pence is now in charge of the, the coronavirus stuff. And the closest thing we have to knowing how he might deal with this is that when he was in charge of Indiana, there was an outbreak of HIV mm-hmm. in his state. And he literally told a reporter he's going to go home and pray on it. And then people died. And then people died. He didn't act quickly in any sense of the word. When he was running for Congress in 2001, he posted something on his congressional campaign website that literally said smoking doesn't kill. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Science is not this guy's strong suit. And, of course, he's questionable on evolution. He's not known for trusting science. No, the guy Um, doesn't give a fuck about science or... Like so that's the guy in charge of handling of humans. the biggest science debacle ever, uh, or possibly the biggest one. And so uh, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, pointed that out, because uh, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about her later again. Yep. But she said, Mike Pence literally does not believe in science. It is utterly irresponsible to put him in charge of, a, of U.S. coronavirus response as the world sits on the cusp of a pandemic. This decision could cost people their lives. Pence's past decisions already have. Mm -hmm. And again, here's a thing to point out. The problem isn't even that Pence is not a fan of science or that he has no training in the issue. You don't need a biologist or anything to be in charge of handling this. But you need to know who should be running different things. You need to make sure people who are experts are in their field of expertise. Mm -hmm. And that's what they've gotten rid of in this administration. Because if you're a fan of science, it hmm. means you're a fan of facts. 
And they don't like people who like reality because that goes against the narrative they're crafting. Yeah. So Pence doesn't even have options, much less knowing who can I throw this off to to handle stuff. Yeah, the, somehow in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 years that I've noticed, we have, as a society, decided that, like, experts are elitist or experts are, like, dorks or something. Right. That, oh, these people with their Ivy League PhDs. Yeah. Why should we trust them? Which is, it, it's just a fundamental mistrust of, like, academia, maybe. I don't know. It's pretty fucking bonkers because here we are on the cusp of a pandemic uh, and what? Who is? And this guy has the wheel. Like, what are we? Do? We're gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna die. Well, screw you! I never get outside. I'm in. Not it's, gonna affect me. But that's true. Know. And you can't pray this one away. I did enjoy all the jokes everyone was making about like someone should just tell Pence the coronavirus is gay, then he'll try <laughs> to get rid of it. Yeah, um, yeah, but it is disturbing that we put the least scientifically minded person in charge of handling. Yeah, and it's not even issue. like I am not a scientist by any stretch. I was a fucking lip major for God's sakes, but like I believe in the process of science and believe that experts should be in charge of things. And somehow that escaped Mike Pence, and everyone's like, "Good job, Mike Pence." <laughs> and we've also learned. I think he told the head of the CDC. Even if he hasn't literally said, like, no, don't tell people how bad it is. So they're muzzling bad information that might look bad upon the administration. Mm -hmm. But he did tell that person, oh, you know how you were booked on all those morning shows this weekend to talk about the issue? No. So is that what happened? Yeah. So Pence basically stopped that guy from talking about the issue. So whether you want to consider that censorship or just 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 stay out of the limelight. Why do people need to hear from you? Yeah, it's. It's sort of this bananas thing that Trump takes so much credit for things that have nothing to do with him that he also, like... And he wants to ignore the stuff that he might actually be responsible for. But the thing is, I don't think, up until this point, up until him, like, muzzling his spokesperson from the CDC, nobody would be like, well, Trump caused this pandemic, but right. now people he are like, well, yeah. he's doing everything he can to make sure it's as bad as it can get. So, yeah, now it is his fault. Like, but it's like this weird Streisand effect thing that he's doing to himself, <laughs> you know? Yeah. If it, it's going to be bad and he will have no one else to blame. Right. Because we know this is his fault. Right. Um, I mean, they'll find a reason to blame Hillary for it. But oh, of just course. In historically. Um, moving on to a different topic, but it's all the same stuff. This is. Attorney General William Barr gave a speech this week, and it was it was to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. It's like imagine all the Pat Robertsons getting together for a weekend. We never get invited to those things. Never, not the National Prayer Breakfast, Rude. not this, nothing. But William Barr, for those who aren't paying attention to him, besides being Trump's lackey, he has said things like uh, drug addiction and mental health is the fault of a lack of religion. He has condemned, quote-unquote, militant secularists, which I oh, saw. And I haven't figured out what that means yet. That must yet. be us. Yeah. I don't know how, but I know it's me. <laughs> um, so you're speaking to the Pat Robertson-type people, and he, this is probably the most blunt I've heard him speak about Christian nationalism without using those words. I want to quote one section because I think this is so telling of how he works. Okay. As I discussed in a speech I gave last fall at Notre Dame, while the framers, founders, believed that religion and government should be separate spheres, 
They also firmly believe that religion was indispensable to sustaining our free system of government. Did he cite his sources? As John Adams put it, we have no government armed with the power which is capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. So that's what Barr says, citing John Adams way back when. Okay. Except that's not what John Adams said. Oh, you don't say. If you go back to the actual speech that John Adams made, which was not some official speech or anything, but it is part of something he said. He said this, because we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion, Mm -hmm. avarice, ambition, revenge, and licentiousness would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people, dot, dot, dot. Now, it doesn't sound like that middle part is all that important, Mm -hmm. but what it does is it reaffirms the idea that to John Adams, morality and religion are basically synonymous. Right. He's not saying you need Jesus in your life. Right. He's saying you need some sort of moral code, and our Constitution was made with that in mind. It's not a guy saying you need to trust Jesus. Um, And by the way, Adams even wrote later on that his religion was just four words, quote, be just and good. Hmm. So, like, this is not a guy, like... I mean, the the idea, and I'm not, I'm by no means an expert on the Founding Fathers, but but I have, um, you know, read a couple books about them, and sort of the the notion that the Founding Fathers have anything in common with, like, our modern day... The white evangelicals of today. Evangelical movement is absurd. Like, most of them, like, most of them were, like, Christian-ish, but even Christianity then didn't necessarily look like what it does now. And a lot of them are famously deists. Mm -hmm. Like, it was a very, like, marked thing that people knew that that they spoke about deism openly. Barr, you're right. Barr went on to say in his speech that our moral values, quote, must flow from a transcendent supreme being. Men are far likelier to obey rules that come from God than to abide by the abstract outcome of an ad hoc utilitarian calculus. So unless you're scared of God, you're totally going to be evil, like all those atheists out there. (sighs) Yeah. Like, mind you, this guy works for the administration that, like, has inflicted all kinds of suffering upon LGBTQ people, upon refugees, upon all that. Like, we are not in a better, more moral place because Christians like him are in charge. So, anyway... This guy's in charge of our law. Mm-hmm. Like, this is disturbing. He's like the top cop in town. Yeah. And all he's doing is promoting, like, Christian nationalism at a group of religious broadcasters. And by religious well, broadcasters, we mean Christian ones. Here's the thing about him, Conservative though. Christian ones. He's a literal human monster, so I that mean, answers that. That's Christianity for you. It's like... It's an embarrassing speech in and of itself. He's whitewashing American history, mm-hmm. and not a single Republican will speak out against it because none of them give a shit about any right. of this. I'm going to move on to a happier story. Okay. Let's cleanse our palates with something happy. This one just amused me. So Lent was this week, and some Catholics, many Catholics maybe, are doing this thing where on Fridays they're going to avoid meat because I don't... I've heard mixed things on this, but, like, 
some of them say we can't eat meat on Fridays. Some people say, well, the rules kind of changed 50 years ago, but whatever. Uh The thing is, okay, in theory, you're not supposed to eat meat. If it's not a rule now, maybe it was. You all can correct me on this. Actually, I think the whole eating fish on Friday came because... People wanted to eat something on Friday? No, because fishmongers weren't making enough money. (laughs) I I, I know there's more to this story, but it was like a collaboration between that and people who wanted to sell more fish. That sounds about right. (laughs) Um... But this one just amused me that people are wondering, well, if I can't eat meat on Fridays, what if I eat an Impossible Burger, one of those veggie patty burgers? Okay. Because that's not meat, even though it totally is supposed to taste like meat. But it's... So did I break the rules by eating that on a Friday? And the Chicago Tribune talked to Catholic leaders in the area, um, trying to get a straight answer about like, well, if you eat a plant-based burger... Have you broken the rule or are you still following the rule? Because you're not eating meat, yeah. but it does taste like it. So what's the deal? Are you saying like what's the letter of the law versus yes. the intent of the law? Is yes, that what you mean? That's okay. exactly it. And what the few people they talk to who work with the Archdiocese of Chicago and whatnot, here's here's an answer that makes total sense to me. Well, you risk losing the whole spirit of it. You know, yeah. the whole point is you're supposed to avoid this type of food. So if you found a loop, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. If you found a loophole that allows you to eat meat because, you know, it's not made of the right stuff. So technically it's not the same as meat. Like you're still kind of missing the point. Yeah. Okay. At first I was totally on the side of like, well, it's a vegetarian thing. So who cares? But, but I understand now I'm realizing people, Catholics don't, don't not eat meat on Fridays for you know, economic reasons or health reasons or cruelty reasons. It's because they are supposed to be denying themselves of the thing. Right. Right. Uh, yes. That is definitely a big part of it. The funny thing is that it, I don't think that's going to stop anybody. In fact, at there's a place called Epic Burger, which has several locations in Chicago. Mm-hmm. They said sales of the Beyond Burger, which is plant based and vegan, basically, it rises 10 to 12% on Fridays during Lent oh, compared yeah, to tracks. other Fridays. And they totally are marketing the shit out of it over Lent because yeah. they're like, oh, you can't eat meat on Fridays? Come to us. Well, we the got same way McDonald's promotes the filet of fish. Like. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but it does raise a question for me, which is okay, let's suppose the Catholic Church says, yeah, fine, I guess you can eat it, but you're missing the point. If you're looking for loopholes to get around stupid Catholic rules, just get out of there. Like, you don't even care. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... I mean... If you're looking for a workaround, like, you think God doesn't know what you're doing, even in your mind? Like, they... If you don't even care about following the doctrine, just leave the religion. It's okay. Or at least get out of the Catholic Church and pretend to believe until that fades away. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I don't get why you would be, ca- but but I mean we see. That I know there's all, other we reasons. We see the loopholes all the time. I know there are other reasons for belonging to a church or a religion that have not much to do with the actual beliefs. Yeah. But again, if you know the rules and you're like, well, I found a way to make it work for me. Yeah, but that's not like, new. You don't care. I feel like when I was younger, the whole there's a whole thing about like you're technically a virgin if you've only had anal sex. <laughs> right. For some reason, that was like really a thing in the '90s, and like. Yeah. Yeah, man. And again, like, if you're if you're finding the loophole, it's okay. It turns out but, teenagers will find ways to have sex no matter fucking what. 
Shockingly. Right. Not me as a teenager. I don't know how, we, I don't know how we went from plant-based burgers to anal sex, but there you go. You know what? I'm pretty You can donate to our Patreon page. <laughs> no. uh, let's talk about Pete Buttigieg. Oh, he, what did he do? No, no, this is oh, fine. Okay. Uh, during a campaign event last weekend, I believe, there was a nine-year-old boy who came on stage and basically said, I'm gay, but uh-huh. how do I tell other people? Oh, like, I, you're gay and you're out, he's saying to Buttigieg. Like, how can I do the same? Mm-hmm. Because he's afraid. And Buttigieg gave a really nice answer about, like, you don't need advice from me on bravery. I mean, oh, right? That's sweet. He's on stage, you're telling, you're asking the question, that's a huge deal. It was actually a really nice answer. Um, so, good. That was a nice moment. Okay, so of course, the Christian right is furious so by mad. this exchange. They hate him so much. They do. It almost makes me like him more that they hate him. I know. Which isn't a good... Like, like he's that's not very my much first like candidate triggering choice. Triggering the libs but. kind of thing. It's not a good <laughs> instinct that I have, but it just makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah. Enemy of my enemy sort of thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, Brian Fisher with the American Family Association I said... I cannot believe he's still bopping around. He's really been going dude, at it for decades, huh? He doesn't have a show anymore, but he's oh, still he broadcasting from his basement or something. But he did tweet, you know, this... He shows the clip. Yeah. Why Buttigieg must not be allowed anywhere near the White House. He is a one-man recruiting machine <laughs> normalizing the crime against nature to nine-year-old children. Here's the thing, <laughs> and you know it takes a lot for me to agree with Brian Fisher. <laughs> but but if you live in a society where, like, your gay icons are, like, the RuPaul's of the mm-hmm. world and kind of very flamboyant and, and extroverted gay people, and all of a sudden you see Pete Buttigieg, who's a fucking nerd. Who's the most boring <laughs> yeah, gay like person you've ever seen in the... as hell, like... <laughs> He, I mean, he's not wrong. He's really normalizing right. that, like, hey, gay people aren't just like wearing boas and rainbow bikinis? Question mark. Because right. you know, every just, time the Christian right is like, like, look, gay people humans. scary. Yeah. They're showing pictures from like parts of the Pride Parade right. that are or, like, extremely drag queen happy out there. hour. Yeah, right. Which is a thing. If you like it, good for you. Whatever. Right. But they never show people like Buttigieg, right. which probably represents a whole—I don't know what percentage—but a whole bunch of gay people. Right. It's like they don't want you to see that because. That yeah. doesn't fit their narrative yeah. that they're Most trying to spread. Most of my spread. gay friends are like boring nerds yeah. who <laughs> wear like t-shirts that are tied to pride parades because that's <laughs> the only rainbow they have in their closet. There you go. I'm speaking of a very specific couple. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dave Dobbenmeyer, the coach uh, who speaks to empty stadiums, that's his oh green God. screen background. That guy pointed out that Buttigieg should be punished for, quote, contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Wait, this gets better. He goes on to say, 50 years ago, they would have thrown butt fudge in jail for even bringing it up and talking about it in front of a young kid. And then he goes on to say, uh, I think this was another person, not Daubenmeyer, but one of his guests, saying that the boy who asked the question, quote, was probably molested by either mom or dad or some relative. uh, Yeah. That's the Christian rights reaction to a beautiful moment. That Buttigieg had with this kid. Can I give one criticism to Buttigieg in the wake of this, like, very genuinely heartwarming? And, like, it's really hard to under, to overstate how wild it is that five years after we got gay marriage passed, we have a serious presidential candidate 
who won Iowa. And, yeah. you know, I don't necessarily Depending see... on which side of the Bernie train you're on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even... <laughs> Ugh. But anyway, yeah, that is but, amazing. But one thing that he did say in the, la- in the most recent debate, which sort of rubbed me the wrong way, is he sort of denounced the um, the radicalism of the 1960s and the 1980s. <laughs> and to me, it's just like when women say, like, marching is stupid. Yeah, feminism is the worst. Because, like, that radicalism, those riots, those those marches are why gay people have rights and why women can vote. Like, the people of your past who went to extremes... Quote, unquote. Yeah. Yes, you're absolutely right. Who went to, like, what some see as extremes and most of us would see as just necessary. Uh, They're the people who paved the way so you could be apathetic about politics. I do think... if I have this right, he hit, his campaign tweeted what he had said in the debate stage about, you know, not trashing the radicalism yeah. of the 60s. And then they walk that back like they deleted that quote when they realized, oh, that's not that's not what we meant to say. Which I don't but, I, I don't think he meant to say yeah. it. But I also it just it's 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 just a thing. I I <laughs> he's feel so like busy echoing, trashing his progra- more progressive counterparts. Yes, that he's trying to trash like extremism as a whole. Yes, to trash like the Bernie war inside. Correct. It's like, dude, you're here and successful because of what those radicals did. Okay, like you should thank them, not trash them. I know we're both. <laughs> I know we're we're both fans of Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. But what would you give to see a reality show based around a Buddha Judge Klobuchar ticket and? <laughs> like the odd couple but if the odd couple hated each other <laughs> i will say that so i i not a huge fan of Buttigieg. Uh, he's fine yeah i like warren more yes but like i really don't like klobuchar more than i don't like Buttigieg. Uh-huh. would vote for any of them just to be clear but like it brings me no little amount of joy to watch her hate him on stage it's- it's so... And to watch him trying to talk to her. Oh, it's so it's good. It's just like, oh, man. Um, I Not in this past debate, but the debate prior, the first one that Bloomberg was on, which, yeah. like, just gave me life. Oh, I, that was beautiful. I realized who Klobuchar reminds me of, and it's... She reminds me of all the mean Midwestern moms who, like, would I mean, come that is down, what she's going for. I mean, yeah, that's, like, totally her... And, like, it's the authority that I'm really comfortable with. It's, <laughs> like, a Midwestern mom who, like... You know, it's two in the morning. We're being a little bit loud and she's really mad about it because she has an early tea time. And like, we're not drinking. We're not smoking. We're not actually doing anything wrong, but she's just mad about it. And like, I don't want her to be president, but I also really respond to that kind of anger. It really like makes me feel like home. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Hey, let's talk more about what's going on with gay people because it's been a rough week. Well, I have two bad newses and one good newses. Yes. Okay. Um, internationally, um, uh, Poland, which I didn't know was a, a super homophobic country writ large. I mean, maybe that was it's naive very of me. Catholic. Yeah, it is very Catholic, and I have Polish relatives who are homophobic. Anyway, nearly a hundred Polish local governments have procla- proclaimed themselves to be free from LGBT ideology. So that means local authorities in the areas have pledged to refrain from acts that encourage tolerance and must avoid providing financial assistance to NGOs working to promote equal rights. Jesus. So um, according to um, a map that activists created that they called the Atlas of Hate, um, the extent that Poland has signed up for this pledge covers an area greater than the size of Hungary. 
So that's neat. Um, they've been condemned in the past. European Parliament um, passed a resolution that condemned this concept, but they're like, see you never. Um, so that sucks. And um, I don't think, I don't necessarily think we have that many Polish listeners, but I hope they're all being safe. Um, nearby in Croatia, um, there was a, uh, a parade of some sort, and apparently effigies uh, for, for a carnival, excuse me, um, in a town called Im- Imatsky. I think that was correct. Um, there's a lot of effigies that they, you know, they, it's current event type things, and they burn them as, as effigies are, are want to have done to them. Um, and the one that was um, burned this time was a um, an, an effigy. effigy of two men kissing, uh, wrapped in a rainbow scarf, and depicted holding a doll, which was supposed to symbolize a child. So they burned it up. So they burned that up. The crowd, which included very young children in fancy dress, cheered and danced to music as the effigy burned. So that's fucking terrible. And Croatia is like dictatorial, yeah. scary stuff. Like, it's extraordinarily conservative. So it's punish you if you're gay. It's not as if we expected better from Croatia necessarily, but like this sort of shit is really scary. And then the one good question mark thing is um, is back on stateside at Brigham Young University. So um, Brigham Young had a uh, this code of conduct, an honor code that if you violated, you were metaphorically slapped on the wrist. Um, and for a I long... mean, they could kick you out if you do anything egregious. Right. But you sign on saying, if I'm a student at BYU, I'm going to follow the honor code. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, there was a specific line that was... that banned homosexual behavior. And this week, they uh, revised it, and they didn't announce it, but they deleted the, the part that... Yeah, they said, we revised the, the code, mm. and people looked at it, they're like, wait a minute, that section is gone. Right. So what does that mean, has been the get... question for students. It's like, it used to say, uh, the thing that was condemned was all forms of physical intimacy between students of the same gender. Uh-huh. And if that's not in the book anymore... What does that mean? Does it mean same-sex relationships are right. now okay? Because the Mormon church doesn't say that. Right. And what's BYU if not an extension of the church? And since then, since that confusion and those questions started being asked, the school has said, look, we revised the honor code to just kind of make it simpler. Right. But we haven't changed our policy and we'll deal with it on a case-by-case case case. basis which also doesn't mean anything. No, like, it doesn't what is... mean anything. They said since dating means different things to different people, the honor code office will work with students individually. But... Which is a horrible thing because, oh, again, totally. everyone has different boundaries. So, like, if you don't make it clear, what, is holding hands with your same-sex partner on campus, is that allowed? Correct. What if you kiss them goodbye before a class? Right. But the, the LGBTQ students at that school have, by and large, seen this as a victory. It's It's definitely not worse than it was right like it's it's moving well it's not worse but the confusion is not helping and no i agree with you but like to even somebody had to make the decision to take that out and to me that is 
Uh, yes, very small, but a tiny step in the right direction. Yeah, I'm hesitant to give BYU any credit for doing the right thing because they've made it their mission to yes. hurt people as much as possible whenever yes. they can. And the church insists, no, 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 we're still very anti-gay. You cannot act on it in any sense of the word. So again, if you take BYU at its word, where it says, no, we're just simplifying the code, nothing principally sure. has changed then take their word for it. It's still an anti-gay school. Don't call it, and not that you are, don't call it a victory or or an inclusive or anything like that until they explicitly say we are fine with same-sex couples. They haven't done that. So no one should be giving BYU credit that it doesn't deserve, including students who now have less, like, who, if you're a gay person at BYU's campus... You still have no idea what's safe and what's not, and right. you may not know until you get caught for mm. something. Listen, and nobody on this podcast is saying that BYU is like a bastion of like right. gay liberation and rights, but it's not nothing, and it's... But it might be, and that's the thing. BYU wants to tell everybody, no, this is nothing. I, don't you think they're just backpedaling on like, well, we don't want to sound like we're... Ba- I mean, you're right. It's bad either right? way. Like, if they wanted to say, no, we're fine with same-sex relationships, they could have said that. They right. didn't. They did not. Yeah, so, right. like, their revision, you should all just assume, well, I guess they revised it and forgot to take that part out. Like, for example, the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church uh-huh. says homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. That's their wording. Yeah. If they suddenly took that out... What does that mean? Unless the Pope comes out and says, no, it's fine. If you want to, like, get it on with your same-sex partner you in marriage, in, fine. Don't you think that's an implicit inclusion Not as until opposed to explicit? If, if it is, they can say so. Oh. Like, no one should give religion any credit for being good about issues that they've historically been bad about. Unless they come out and just say, this is what we now believe. Because it's religion and we make it up as we go along. <laughs> and they haven't. So... Again, BYU's anti-gay. Yeah. They, they need to convince people otherwise. It's not my job, you know? Yeah, okay. Um, let's talk about Mike Hughes. He is this flat earther. <laughs> so this yeah. guy has spent the past couple of years saying the earth is flat, and then he designed a rocket ship. His plan was, I'm going to go up in my rocket ship and look down upon the earth from above, and uh-huh. I will show you that it's flat. Uh-huh. And maybe you're thinking, wait, we've already done that. We have pictures from space. No, no, he said they're all hoaxes. Yeah, he does not. He's, he's going to go up. His whole jam is that he's deeply mistrustful of the government. Mm-hmm. And so, dis- uh, which channel was it? Like the sci- it was Discovery it was channel, channel, but owned by Discovery. Owned by Discovery. They were not filming him going up in a rocket to see the Earth from space. That's not what this was about. Yeah. But he was going up in space in his homemade rocket. Their, their show is called Homemade Astronauts, and it just yeah. explored kind of. And this guy's kooky enough where they're like, "Let's talk about you and this rocket you made yeah. from paper mache or whatever it is." And he takes off in the rocket and. It basically crashes back down to Earth, and he didn't make it. Yeah. So I don't celebrate his death. I don't know who was close to him, who misses him. I assume there's somebody. But I do want to point out, this was preventable. 
Like no one it in his life circle, it was senseless. No one in his life circle had the audacity to tell him, or he didn't have the audacity to listen no, to no, anyone no. saying, "Dude, everything you're doing is stupid. Stop it." But he was very much aware of the risks. He said, yeah. "Like every time you, because this wasn't his first um, foray into homemade rockets. Mm-hmm. Um, he successfully launched himself about fourteen hundred feet in twenty fourteen and nineteen hundred feet in twenty eighteen." Um, he almost like broke his back in that second one. So here's, I want to flesh out this guy a little bit because it's actually kind of interesting. Um, so this rocket was steam powered, which is wild. Um, so the, the people who were there said what happened was, so the, the rocket kind of launched weird and a parachute um, deployed right away. But he wasn't in it. But he wasn't in it. And that was just a malfunction. And then as the rocket like hit its peak, which is around, I don't know if it actually hit the 5,000 feet, but that's what was intended. They were radioing to him, like, deploy your chute, deploy your chute. And they didn't get a response from him. Mm-hmm. So either something happened to him that he was like knocked unconscious or something like that. So he couldn't hit the button to deploy the chute. Or he made the choice not to deploy the shoot. I'm not saying that's what happened, but, mm. like, they don't know what. Like, it was entirely preventable. Here's the other thing that I'm obsessed with. So he was originally a stuntman. He was, mm-hmm. Well, he was originally a limo driver. And then he did stunts, and then he really wanted to do this kind of rocket stuff. Um, <clears throat> he wasn't... Uh, he was very mistrustful of the government. He's really into conspiracy theories. Um, and once in a while, he would voice an opinion that he thought the Earth might be flat. But when he voiced that, which wasn't even necessarily like a thing he firmly believed, but as soon as he started saying that, he was getting funding from flat Earthers. So he was like, mm-hmm. yeah, the Earth is dead. So he was leaning into that. Um, and his uh, PR person, um, Schuster, his name is, said this, as his PR rep for 17 years and privy to hundreds of hours one-on-one, I can say with certainty, he was a great American daredevil. While open to the idea of government conspiracies, he was a daredevil who used flat-earth publicity to get worldwide attention. It was a PR stunt. We used the attention to get sponsorships, and it kept working over and over again. For the sake of Mike's legacy, it's time to tell the truth. So this guy might not even really believe the Earth was flat. He just harnessed the nerd rage of these people to build himself a rocket. I don't know if that's better or worse. Still stupid. I mean, it's stupid. It was preventable. It's sad. And blame the science channel for encouraging this BS by saying, Hey, you seem interesting. Let's get you on camera. Like, no, no, he's foolish and you're trying to capitalize on it. So yeah, all these people, I mean, to be fair of the thing that discovery and TLC and all of those capitalize on, a guy who's kind of kooky trying to build a rocket is the least problematic of all of them. The other people are like, hey, you're fat. We're going to just go ahead and film you if that's cool. Cool. Entertainment? Great. Right. Love it. So good. Um, <sighs> anyway, I just was kind of obsessed with the fact that he might not even be a flat earther. That just... Because that's another conspiracy. Come um, on, conspiracy people. Lean onto that. One of the writers for Friendly Atheist, uh, David, had interviewed this guy in the past. Mm. And basically, Mike Hughes told him, like... F you for even asking questions about my thoughts. Uh, oh, sure. But it was always interesting to read those articles. because yeah, he was a very colorful character. Yeah. Uh, this is a w- interesting story that I did not see coming. Um, so there's a Canadian Catholic leader. 
Um, his name is John Vanier. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. He actually died in 2015. But um, like if you're in Canada uh-huh. and you are a Catholic person in Canada, this guy is about as big as it gets in terms of like, well, the Pope's not from Canada. Who do we, <laughs> who do we look up to? Uh-huh. It was this guy. Um, Because he founded a humanitarian organization that focused on helping the intellectually disabled. So this guy was basically a hero. There are schools named after him. There are organizations named after this guy. He received like a prestigious uh, government. It's like the Medal of Freedom or whatever Trump gave to Rush Limbaugh, so it doesn't count anymore. It's like one of those. He got one of those. He was once nominated for Nobel Peace Prize. Uh When he died, the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said he had made the world a better, more inclusive place. Like this guy has an amazing legacy. And now his own organization said we have conducted an independent investigation about him and what he did while he was running this group. It's been in the works for a while. They Mm -hmm. released the results uh, this past week. And what it found is that he engaged, I'm reading from their stuff, he engaged in sexually abusive relationships with at least six women, including women who worked for the organization and Catholic nuns. It was over a 35-year span from 1970 to 2005. They were not intellectually disabled, the women. Okay. But basically, he used his position as a spiritual leader to win over their trust before he abused them. Jesus. Um, And uh, I'm reading from an article about this. The alleged victims felt deprived of their free will, and so the sexual activity was coerced or took place under coercive conditions. They all felt they were vulnerable, and this guy knew that, Uh and he took advantage of it. Um, then they felt basically powerless to say no to him. Ugh, that's so sad. Um, he, he said things like, it is Jesus who loves you through me. You are chosen. This is special. It's secret. So all of this is coming out. And again, he's dead. They're not going to do anything about this other than his legacy is now this. Yeah. Like anything good that he did. And again, if you're Catholic in Canada, you don't have a ton of options in terms of who's the most famous Catholics you sure. know from your community. This was that guy. And now even he, like so many other Catholic leaders, um, are trashing him. The current leaders of his organization have now basically written a letter condemning him. Like, wow. I mean, it, it's a good letter uh, to me. They they seem to have done a good job basically saying, look, we're shocked by the discoveries. We condemn these actions. They contradict the values he's otherwise stood for. Uh-huh. Um, they also said, and this is important to point out because good for them. We want to express our gratitude to the women who, by speaking out a few years ago, um, helped others to liberate themselves of a burden of shame and suffering they did not deserve to be carrying. Wow. To all of them, we ask forgiveness for these events which took place in the context of our organization, some of which were caused by our founder. Wow. Canadians even do pol- apologies. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So oh, that's too bad. It is. It is. It's a sad story and totally not surprising. Not surprising. Also at all. Disappointing still. Yeah. Um, I would like to get your thoughts on this. Yes. Um, So in Pennsylvania, there's a mail carrier who is currently suing the uh, United States Postal Service because when he used to work there as a mail carrier, he was an evangelical Christian, um, and he said he couldn't work on Sundays for religious reasons. 
According to the lawsuit, he worked flexibly, quote-unquote, to, to accommodate his convictions by offering to pick up holiday, evening, Saturday hours that others didn't want. Um, he worked there for seven years, um, and then the agency began to um, enforce a no-exception-Sunday policy on him and, quote, needlessly disciplined him, according so to his statement. My understanding of this story is that they accommodated his request not to work Sundays mm-hmm. by having him work on other days, and right. that was fine. They yeah. accommodated him. At some point, the the person who worked on Sundays instead of him basically either left the job or did something else. So uh-huh. now they needed someone to pick up the slack because because of Amazon, they were doing deliveries on Sundays. Gotcha. And now they have no option. Like, they need someone to work. So they tell this guy, look, we need you to work on Sundays. Mm-hmm. We can't make an accommodation like we used to. Right. So do it. And then I did he get fired because he said no? Yeah. He was eventually yeah. let go from his position, and now he's suing. Mm-hmm. And again... I, what are you blaming the Postal Service for? They did try to accommodate him yeah. until they couldn't. Yeah. And again, the uh, my understanding of the law regarding this sort of thing is that you have to make reasonable accommodations. Right. They did until they couldn't anymore. And at that point, he's not working on the days they need him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let him go. Like, it doesn't sound like they did anything anti-Christian. No, They were trying to go after this guy. I um, just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I think about, like, somebody using their religion and saying, like, these are the days I cannot work and won't work. And, like, yeah. I'm not, I've, like, I've, we've had this, maybe we've had this conversation, but I, I know I've talked about it before. It's kind of like someone like me saying, all right, I'm, I'm working at McDonald's, mm-hmm. but I don't want to touch meat. I'm a vegetarian. At some point, it's like, uh, and let's say those are my religious beliefs, They can try to say, okay, fine, well, we're going to use you everywhere else. Take orders, that's fine. But at some point, if they need you to cook food, like, and you can't do it, I don't think it's unreasonable to say, look, you can't do the job. We're going to find someone who can, so you're let go. I don't think that's anti-religious of them, because, what, they don't owe me every single request I make. They can try. You try to meet people halfway, this guy sounds like, nope, I'm just not working Sundays, even if that's the one day you need me. It's like, dude, they tried. Now they can't. And if you can't do the work, then leave. Yeah, I guess my problem is more with, like, capitalism writ large, which say, you know, if I'm available to work six days a week and there's one day I say, like, I won't work, whatever my reasons are. And they like, accommodated that. They did they that did for this they, guy. Until they didn't. And until then, they couldn't. And then fired him over that, which I'm, right. like... I don't know. I just. I mean, the, I, the postal service doesn't owe one, him a job. No, you're right. But I also think that an employee saying there's one day a week I won't work isn't like asking everybody to like bend over around him because everybody else theoretically has the right to ask for the same thing. Sure. And they did. And then they couldn't. So what do you want from them? Like, hey, we need you to work Sundays now. And if you can't, you need to find another job because yeah. we're looking for someone for Sundays now. Like, they did re- accommodate well, and him. It's ironic so. because. Like, in theory, if somebody refuses to work Sundays, a, po- a mail carrier is the ideal job because yeah, you would that think. was the one day he had guaranteed off. Right. Thanks, Amazon. I, I find it, I mean, again, the courts are jacked right now. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, but I don't know what the path forward is for this guy because any case law in this thing says you make a reasonable accommodation. The Postal Service did. 
And so I don't know how he wins this case citing like religious discrimination. Well, yeah. When there's no indication they were saying, let's screw this guy over because of his Christian beliefs. Even symbolically, they weren't doing that. I'm sure I'm sure the people involved in the decision making were Christian. I don't know. Yeah. But to suggest that this is all because of his religious belief. I I, I don't think I would necessarily suggest that. I, I guess my thought is like as somebody who has worked for corporations, they ask so much of you and give so little in return. And so to say like hey, here's one day I don't want to work, but I'll work nights and holidays and yeah. all the shifts that nobody else wants to work on. I'll work set, you know, like, I, I think I'm just so anti-corporate that it's really getting <laughs> in the way of my being anti-religious. And at this point, I'm sorry, I'm sort of anti-corporate more than I am anything else. Yeah. Um, I guess that's where my, my thing lies. Because I don't, th- God, I don't know. I've, I, know, I know I've said it twice, but like, seeing... I'm available six days out of the seven days there are in existence to work. Can I please have this one day to my fucking self? I want to go to church. I want to see my children. I want to be with my dog. Like, for whatever reason, somebody who works at a company and says, can I just not work this one fucking day? Like, where have we gotten as a culture that that is an like an irresponsible thing to ask for so much so that they fucking fire him? I still don't feel bad for him. Ugh. All right, let's talk about this cross. Cross. This is yeah. It's a weird. It's a weird case. It didn't get much attention because there's a million other things going on this week. Yeah, but this is an important issue. Um, this last year, the Supreme Court ruled that this giant cross in what Maryland uh, that sat on government property. I don't know, it's a lawsuit thing. Right. It's yours. <laughs> so they said this giant Christian cross. It's like in moral artwork. It was a. World War One memorial, but it's in the shape of a cross, mm-hmm. and it was sitting on this like government land. Yeah, yeah. And the humanists who were fighting that battle basically said, "Just move it to private property. Right. The government shouldn't be maintaining this or dealing with this." And the Supreme Court said, and it was like seven to two, um, even though there were a million different decisions, they were all like, "Look, it can stay. That one cross can stay because it's tradition. It's been up there forever." And so no one really even thinks of that as a Christian thing anymore. That was their twisted logic for why it could stay. Okay, here's a separate story that has been going on around the same time. In Pensacola, Florida, there was another giant Christian cross in Bayview Park. Again, public park. Uh This cross has been there forever. No one's even pretending this one's a war memorial. It is a straight-up homage to Christianity. Uh And so the the American Human Association, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, they all sued to take this down in 2015 Mm -hmm. because it shouldn't be there. And basically, last year, um, I'm cutting through a lot of the legal jargon here. Um, In 2017, I should say, The U.S. Court of Appeals in that area basically Uh said, you're right. It is unconstitutional. It does have to come down (laughs) because it's just a giant Christian cross on public land. But, and this is the key here, they didn't do that with, like, smiles on their faces. Sure. Um, And the judge who wrote one of the arguments for this case happens to be a Trump judge, (laughs) uh, Kevin Newsom. He basically said, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, we don't want to do this. I don't want to say this thing is illegal. Sorry. But case law precedent in this matter all says this is illegal. So this is what this guy wrote. And I'm basically, I think I'm quoting here directly. He said the Supreme Court's Establishment Clause jurisprudence is a wreck. 
So like, I don't, we don't know what to do. He said, as a lower court, we are nonetheless obliged to do our best to discern and apply it. He also said, I'm uh, basically saying, look, there's a lot of ways you can make this legal. Uh-huh. But right now, based on what you guys have decided in the past, we have to say this is illegal. <laughs> so I'm doing it. But I really don't I'm want to. I'm my heels on it. Yeah. So last year, the Supreme Court says that one in Maryland is legal because it's been up there forever. And when it came to this cross, they said, uh, Supreme Court said, you know what? We're not going to deal with this issue because we've already dealt with another cross. Let's send this back down to that court with the Trump judge. Let them decide now that we've given them some guidance. So we knew where this was going. But this week, that same court, which unanimously... Yeah, you can list that as a fart noise that Jessica made. Got it. <laughs> so that same court that unanimously said it's legal now says with a smile on their faces, hey, this thing is illegal. I'm um, sorry. They used to say it was illegal. Now they're saying it's totally fine. Um, and what they said is Pensacola Cross Case 2.0 concludes the cross does not offend the Constitution. Um, taking it down, they said, quote... Uh, would strike many as aggressively hostile to religion. So keeping it up is, I guess, neutral, but taking it down would be anti-Christian. Well, because they act like no action is neutral instead of, you know... If we do the neutral thing and remove this, like, praise of Christianity, Christians will be upset, and that's anti-Christian in their twisted logic. And, I mean, of course, AHA was like... This is part of the religious rights ongoing crusade to privilege Christianity. Uh FFRF was like, it's not hostile to religion to uphold government neutrality over religion. There are some ways they can try to fight this, but like, really, given the Supreme Court, given this makeup, like, this is not a winning issue anymore. And what it also means is that any, if you put up a Christian cross, like, long ago enough, whatever that line is. But yeah, we don't know where that line is. It's all fine now. Blanket, it can stay. There's no issue. What I'm curious about is there aren't many of these lawsuits going on, but like, what if you put a Ten Commandments monument in front of a school like 50, 60 years ago? Mm -hmm. Because there have been lawsuits about that. They all had to come down. Mm -hmm. But if you didn't get around to it in some area, now you can argue, well, it's been up there forever, so I guess it could stay. It's just tradition. It would be anti-Christian for you to remove the Christian uh, monument it's just, this is what happens when Republicans take over the law. Like, and this is what I don't get about atheist Republicans either. Like, basically what you're saying is church-state separation doesn't matter. Christian privilege is allowed in the law in a way that doesn't apply to any other religious group or non-religious group. Um, but this is what you vote for if you're a Republican. It's saying yeah. Christianity is the de facto religion of the nation. Anyone who tries to shut it down or make it neutral... Um, and treat it the same as anything else, nope, you don't count anymore. It's seriously very disturbing stuff. Yeah. Who's John Ratcliffe from Texas? Representative? That sounds... Sure. Why not? He's the next... He's nominated for the next director of national intelligence. Just got that. uh, (laughs) The name Ratcliffe does not leave me with a whole lot of hope. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, oh, you know, I have a lot of international stories. We don't talk about uh, Hinduism very much on this show. Um, but a uh, religious leader from Gujarat. That's had, my people. That specific city? or yep. Oh, really? Area, state. How did I say it? Totally wrong. Fuck. It's the whitest thing you've said. You say it. Gujarat. Fuck you. That's racist. You're being racist against me. <laughs> um, so there is a leader whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce because 
Do you want do you want to pronounce it? No, I kind of want to hear you pronounce it so okay, I can fine. judge uh, you. Swami <clears throat> uh, Krishnaswarup. How did I do? Oh, horrible. Okay. Go uh, on. Dasji. Go on. Did that one I get? No. Dasji? Yeah. Okay. I also feel like it would be really weird if I did like a really thick accent as Dasji. Like it would be just not like I was not coming out of that thing smelling like roses. Okay. <laughs> Um, anyway, he made some really cool remarks about, and I did not know this is a thing. I don't know if it's a thing um, in, in Hindu culture or religious culture in general, but he said that menstruating women who cook food for their husbands will be reborn as dogs in their next life. And men consuming food prepared by women having their periods will be reborn as bullocks. Now, I have to think there is a, like something being lost in translation there because my understanding of reincarnation, I don't think you can be born as like a body part. <laughs> <laughs> but like what the yeah, fuck do I know I, there, There's no definitely When it comes to what you're going to be in another life So that doesn't make sense to begin with right. Like that's not how karma works It's not like one thing you do right. means It's like saying oh you helped Someone on the street today Who didn't have a home mm-hmm. Now you're going to heaven Like no one would say that's how it works It's right. a lifetime of what you do That right. depends your afterlife Even in their sense of the word But anyway the rule for some Strict versions of Hinduism Is that if you're a menstruating woman mm-hmm. You basically can't be doing anything for anyone In okay. some cases Some horrible I cases bad news. I think we need to end this podcast right now <laughs> They have isolated <laughs> women Away from their families To the point where they're like In these cold Heatless shacks Well yeah Getting your period Is um, Disgusting right. and, and unsanitary And, and so preparing food you. For your husband and Means you're basically Violating these right. religious rules Well that's rules. why This episode is going to be so bad Because I am on my period And that's why <laughs> Everything I touch Turns to smoke Yes um, Anyway This guy doesn't have A great track record um, Either Apparently um, He runs a college In Boonish Boonish that's racist. B-H-U-J. Racist. You say it. No. Why? Go on. Um, he is a so oh Christ. He's associated with the Swami Aryan Temple. Racist. No, I got that one. Um, in uh, a college. And the principal and female staff ale- principal and female allegedly forced more than 60 girls to remove their undergarments to check if they're menstruating. The principal, the hotel, the hostel rector, and the peon of Sri Shahajanad. You just offended a billion people. Shahajanad, girls. And I grew up with a lot of Indian people. I'm usually really good at these. (laughs) Um, um, Were arrested on Monday. For that incident. So at least whatever. So something's happening. So guys, horrible misogyny is not strictly limited to Americans or Christians. Let's all just remember that and bask in its <laughs> glory. All religious people are garbage. There you go. Um, and that soundbite is why I will never be able to run for office. They, oh, yeah. We're just creating opposition <laughs> research. Exactly. Um, I got one last story for you that I yeah. wanted to cover, which is the Pew Research Center came out with a survey. Let me ask you this. Of yes. all the Democratic top-tier Democratic candidates running for president, mm-hmm. is, are any of them atheists? Openly, um, I should say. I think Bernie Sanders said he's... He's Jewish, but he's a, a secular Jew, right? Pretty much. But he talks about his Jewish faith, and he talks about, you know, God is everything, God is everyone, like that sort of thing. That's what atheism is, though. Um, but 
I'll give you that one. Bernie is probably the least religious of the bunch. Yeah. But um, basically everyone else wait, let me think. talks about religion all yeah. the time. Pete talks about his religion a lot. Yes. Warren talks about her religion a lot. She was a Sunday school teacher. She's yeah. a Methodist. She talks about it. Biden is uh, yeah, Catholic yeah. and like it comes back to haunt him. They won't give him communion in the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. Like Biden talks about it all the time. So the Pew Research Center asked a Bloomberg bunch of Americans. is like kind of a low level like Presbyterian or something like that. That like something that doesn't require a lot of commitment. I, I try to keep him out of my mind. Yeah. Who knows? But um the Pew Research Center asked people what percent Unitarian. <laughs> what percent of uh, who thinks Joe Biden is religious, very religious, somewhat religious, not at all religious. What is Joe Biden? And they did this for a bunch of the candidates. Here's what surprised me. Like 55% of people said he was either very religious or somewhat religious, which is true. Mm -hmm. He is. But like 39% of Americans said he's like not religious at all. Hmm. They genuinely think he's not religious. They could have said don't know. They didn't. They said, no, Biden, he's not religious. Elizabeth Warren, 48%, 49% said she's not religious at all. I honestly see that for Elizabeth Warren, I think, because she comes out of academia. And, like, that always gives a pretty secular vibe. What about Buttigieg? What percent said he's not religious? What percent said he's not religious? Uh, So I'm confused because I feel like he's one of the ones who speaks the most frequently about his religion. But he's gay, which I think people think is like inherently yeah. non-religious. 38% said he's not religious or not too religious or whatever. Mm. But basically, here's the concerning thing. Here's a couple takeaways from this. Like about half of the people said all uh, half people said like Sanders, uh, Warren, Buttigieg, they are not religious, which means if you are these candidates and you are religious, mm-hmm. they're going to ramp up the religious rhetoric because, like, that's an easy way to get people on your side. Sure. So, like, they're totally going to play up the God angle. But also it's a reminder that, like, for all the people listening to this podcast and for people like us who pay attention to politics, mm-hmm. most people are not paying any attention to what these people say ever so, like, when I hear the stump speeches day in and day out, yeah. it's like, I'm used to them saying this stuff. I'm sure that's the case for all of you. But, like, if Joe Biden brings up his faith or Pete Buttigieg cites the Bible in something, it is brand new information to a bunch of people all of the time. Yeah, it's... It's amazing how many people know nothing about these candidates. And it's funny, because it's not like we work in politics. We're not professional, like, politi- politicos in any mm-hmm. real respect. So I forget that people aren't as obsessed with politics as I, which right. I don't even think of it as being obsessed. Like I follow it. The like way when I follow, the debates like, are on TV, there are people watching like other shows, which I can't understand at all. Yeah. Right. Um, God, that debate when Elizabeth Warren destroyed Buttigieg was so, like just that whole debate. Buttigieg or Bloomberg? Bloomberg. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that whole debate just like really left me just happy as a little clam. Um, cause, and I think it's just cause like I listen to podcasts that reference it. Yeah. And, like I listen to Pod Save America, which is All twice that. a week plus love it or leave it, which is once a week. So I'm getting, you know, between three and five hours of mainline political content a week where they're diving into all the things. And I completely forget that people aren't and don't it's, and it's not a criticism of them. It's, it's me realizing like, the very specific bubble that I live in. Cause most of my friends are really in politics. Cause we're 
I don't know. I guess in your 30s is when people get, or maybe it's just after 2016, young people. Yeah, I think that's more what it is than anything. Yeah. Um, but it's just a reminder, like most Democrats, uh, most Americans think most of the Democratic candidates are not religious. And that's, and again, I mean, that's if just it was true, from Republicans. if it was true, right. And you know, the Republicans are going to play up the angle, like we're the party of God. Right. There, it doesn't matter who you are. They're all anti-religious or not religious. Right. Like you will see that rhetoric as the campaign season continues. Right. So, um, oh. couple really quick. Um, I guess we don't need to dig into this, but um, a U.S. appeals court um, upholded, upheld. Hoof. Um, Racist. <laughs> um, anyway, the, some abortion restrictions came down. They were appealed. And they are standing, and um, people. And that's bad news for pro-choice people. What was surprising about that one yeah. is that it came from the ninth, the full Ninth Circuit, which historically has been a liberal place. That's Washington, where the under Oregon, God, California, yeah, yeah, under God. When Michael Newdow got to the Supreme Court mm-hmm. to fight under God and the Pledge of Allegiance, that was the a panel of the Ninth Circuit that right. said he could bring that lawsuit. And this new Ninth Circuit with a lot of Trump judges is like, what abortion restrictions? Fine. Yeah. That's scary shit. Um, somebody called the new policy madness and said it was motivated by, quote, an arrogant assumption that the government is better suited to direct women's health care than their providers. Um, basically, it makes um, uh, the rule bans taxpayer-funded clinics in the Title 10 program from making abortion referrals and prohibit clinics that receive federal money from sharing office spaces with abortion providers. Um, so it's, it's trap laws, right? It's small. It, while it is not making abortion illegal, it is setting up obstacles for both abortion providers and those are seeking abortion. Right. The people who are pushing for these lawsuits to say these abortion clinics need to shut down, they don't care about the women. They don't care about making sure women can have safe abortions in safe places. Mm -hmm. No, they're just like, oh, well, you didn't do three jumping jacks before you gave her the pills. Therefore, you need to be shut down. It's like they're not doing anything to actually help these women. Mm -hmm. They're just making up shit and then saying, well, you didn't follow that rule we made up. Mm -hmm. So you got to shut down. And the courts are now going along with it because, again, that's what happens when you vote for Republicans. Yep. Or don't vote or vote third party. Stupid. Stupid. Mm. Um, So last thing I. When we talk about religion in politics. Um, I think it is because mostly people in power use their religion as a, a shield for or a cover for their bigoted beliefs that they have anyway. Um, and, and because of that, I don't think, and you might disagree with me, I don't inherently have trouble with somebody pulling their morality or pulling their opinions from their religion just as I, you know, I think if you have sound morals where they come from doesn't really matter. And, and the right thing is the right thing. Um, and so AOC who, um, is, is Christian, she kind of went off the other day and to me, this is how you are a religious lawmaker while, actually practicing what you preach, so to speak. Um, So I just want to read some of what she said. She said, um, sometimes I feel as though if Christ himself 
had said what he said, that we would love our neighbors, that we welcome the stranger, fight for the least of us, that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get in the kingdom of heaven. He would be maligned as a radical and rejected from these doors. I know, And I know it's part of my faith that all people are holy and all people are sacred unconditionally, and that's what prompts us to transform, because it is unconditional. It is not up to us to love parts of people. We love all people. There's nothing holy about rejecting medical care for people, no matter who they are or what their identity is. There's nothing holy about turning someone away from a hospital. There's nothing holy about rejecting a child from a family. There's nothing holy about writing discrimination into the law. And I'm getting tired of communities of faith being weaponized and being mischaracterized because the only time religious freedom is invoked is in the name of bigotry and discrimination. I'm tired of it. It's deeply disturbing, not just what is happening here, but what this administration is advancing is the idea that religion and faith is about exclusion. It is not up to us. It is not up to us to deny medical care. It is up to us to feed the hungry, to clothe the poor, protect children, and love all people as ourselves. Which, like... I've already seen one Catholic group go after her for saying, well, that's not what the Bible teaches. Like, basically trashing her for saying, no, the Bible's good. My faith teaches me to be a good person. Yeah. They're like, how dare you? Because they hate her more than they care yeah, about God. Yeah, I just don't... I'm, like, And again, as somebody who has a passing understanding of, of the Bible, you know, I've never read it through, but I've read a lot of it. Jesus didn't... There's nothing... Like she said, if Jesus walked in the doors and said what he had said thousands of years ago he would be called a radical. He was left of, like, fucking Bernie Sanders. Anyway, I, I just think it's something worth thinking about that if somebody uses their religion, no matter what they use to create their their ideas, the same text can be warped to say anything you want it to say. You can interpret something to say anything you want it to say. And I think somebody like AOC gives me hope that, like, Cory Booker is the same person, same mm. kind of thing of like, he takes his religion and no, I don't believe in what he believes in, but I respect the fact that he takes it and says, okay, well this means my mission is to help people. Not my mission is to like shit. And we'll use over. that as a guide for secular policymaking, right. which is what they do. Right. Um, unless you're Republican and you don't care. Hey, for one of our Patreon goals, do you want to watch Jesus Christ Superstar with me? Okay. We'll do it. Yes. Okay. I'm going to put that in here somewhere. Done. Um, cool. So as a reminder, uh, I assume you're done. I'm done. Okay. As a reminder, um, go on to iTunes right now while you're listening to this and, uh, leave us five star review and, um, that genuinely really helps us. And Hey, tell a friend about it. This might've been a good show to introduce somebody on. I got called racist a lot, which is pretty fun for the audience. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. It's like if you said Blueberry with a funny British <laughs> accent, the way my friend did once when we were 16. <laughs> I'm at Hemet Meta. Uh, uh, email us at friendlyantheistpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for some new goals and things um, on and around Patreon. And um, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.